0: Welcome back everybody. I am so excited for this episode of my Divine Lotus show because um, we're taking a little bit of a tangent. We just finished up some episodes recently about spiritual connection and some of the true stories of spirit that I have in my life. And now that it's starting to turn to fall, we've got a lot going on with families with children and their whole return to school uh, topic that is on everybody's minds. I know I'm seeing a lot of clients in the office about um, issues relating to stress around opening society back up in this particular genre, and I have a guest today that I'd like to bring onto the show. This is somebody who is near and dear to my heart, a friend of mine who goes way, way back to our college days. Um, Sarah Soboleski is the owner of Classically Organized, and Sarah, you can say a little bit more about this in a minute, but she is a uh, licensed social worker and she works with folks who are um, chronic hoarders and folks who have disorganization in their homes and she also works in a therapeutic setting with children and she recently did a blog post about the transition back to school and how to talk to our children about what's going on and how to help them from a well place not only for our, th- them, but also for us. So I wanted to have her come on today and round table with me about this whole topic because lots and lots of folks in our society are feeling it. So welcome, Sarah. Um, nice. Do you wanna tell us a little bit about your background and the kinds of things you do in your
1: business? Sure. So like you said, I am a uh, licensed clinical social worker and I am also a trained professional organizer. Uh, I've had classically organized since 2013. I am a member of NAPO, if you can believe it, there's actually a professional association for what I do called the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. I also hold various certifications through the Institute for Challenging Disorganization. Um, I hold some certifications in what's called CBT, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And I do wear two hats, so I provide counseling services for a local municipality for youth and families, and I also kind of have my own private practice in which I go into clients' homes who are struggling with hoarding behaviors and chronic disorganization and work on both their physical and their mental clutter.
0: It's been pretty remarkable over the years following you and watching you in your business as you've highlighted some of the things that have been organized do you, um maybe we should have you do a shout out for how people can find you and then i'll tell you i'll tell
1: everybody the little story i'm
0: thinking of in my head
1: wonderful yeah you can find me on my website which is www.classicallyorganized.com um, i am on pinterest classically organized i am on twitter at classy org i'm on insta as well and uh once you head to my website you can sign up for my blog and i also have a monthly newsletter Her newsletter is actually really fabulous. It's packed with
0: all kinds of things that she's been doing throughout the month to service with her clients and all of the professional organizing, learning and seminars and TV show hosting segments that she's done. And there's always this tip for this particular, oh, look what I found. This is a great hot item for all your organizing needs. And I've gotten so much inspiration from that over the years. So definitely sign up for her newsletter and then follow her on Instagram too, because she posts the most fascinating pictures of finds during organizing sessions with her clients. And I still, to this day, love the client that you had, who was a puppeteer and they had a large bird puppet. How Uh do you organize things like that? Like when you walk into someone's home and you're doing a lay of the land and you see something that's extraordinarily unique, what do you do as the organizer? How do you handle something like
1: that? I say, wow, that's cool. Tell me about it. (laughs) I mean, that that was really, that was really cool, that puppet thing. Yeah, I was, I was pretty much covered in feathers by the end of the session. And it was all about organizing, literally feathers, felt, and fleece, because that's what kind of goes into making a puppet. Go figure. Fabulous. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: So let's take a look and dive deeply into this conversation that people should be having now and acknowledging now in around this whole transition back to school thing. I know a lot of folks that live in the West and down in the South have transitioned back into their school communities and here where you and I both live in the Northeast. um, We're just on the cusp of transitioning back teachers and school um, school systems are figuring out what that's going to look like and children are slated to return in all these different capacities. And I'm sure that this is true in your client practice as well, but in mine there are so many people that have come for sessions because they're just under so much pressure and stress. There's all this unknown and there's all this um, routine change that's happening and there's a sense of overwhelming feeling again. And so what I've been pointing out to folks and what what I'm highlighting is that I think this is a, a phase of trauma trigger part two that we as a society are going through. We had the original trauma that happened in March-ish in our communities where globally we all had to pause. I call it the stay-at-home time. Um, and and everybody was really anxious and not knowing. And that took hold in our psyche for a while. And now we've gotten used to that. We did that it was really challenging for families to do the, the whole learning from home thing. And then we had our summertime and now we're ramping up to go back into buildings and families are feeling really anxious. I think that it's a subconscious, Oh no, I have to do this all over again. Oh no. What's it going to be like? Oh no. I want my kid in the building because I can't do it all over again with them because it was too much for me, but I don't want my kid to get sick. What's going to happen. So being somebody who's a therapist and a, a licensed social worker, and also you have your part of your work with children who are in um. Uh, setting, right? Uh, um, Is it a setting? setting? Yeah. So I want to talk to you about your tips and your recommendations for how to handle this and what should people be thinking about? How should they be using their language to phrase things with their own children? But even if folks who are listening to this that don't have children, maybe you're somebody who is feeling the stress collectively of our society as we're going through this, you know, ramp up part two of the emotional breakdown and it's just nice to frame and nice to know as adults what to say and how to say it. Maybe we have friends and family that are going through a hard time and this would be interesting for us to be able to use with them or um, neighbors or colleagues. Um, so I just had a couple of questions for you if you don't if you want to just have me jump right in. <laughs> Great. Okay so um, what should people say if their child is worried about returning to school? How do you recommend that folks handle that whole conversation and maybe also if they're also worried about their child returning to school and they but they want their child to go back.
1: Well I have been telling parents whatever choice that you made was the right choice for your family. For a lot of um, towns and cities uh, there are have been typically three options on the table one of which was your child can return back to school full time Um, One is your child is going to be homeschooled full-time, and the third option is a hybrid of the two. So I am always, you know, whenever a family tells me what they decided to do, I always say, great, congratulations, you made that choice. Whatever that choice is, no judgment whatsoever. You know, clearly, I'm sure there are a lot of factors and decisions and, you know, considerations for the choice that a family makes, and I always want to applaud them. Whatever that choice is, that was the right choice for your family. Um, Yes, going back to school, whether you're a parent, whether you're a child, it's worrisome. And I think that just kind of normalizing that and letting your child know that, yes, you know, we're all kind of worried about going back to school, but tell me, what are your specific worries? Because you don't want as a parent to say, yes, I'm worried about this, because that could make your child worry and they didn't even have that on the radar screen. So listen to your child first and foremost. And here, you know, it could be something as silly as, well, I heard that there were no water fountains. So what am I gonna do about filling up my water jug? You know, and you weren't even thinking about that. But these are some of the things that your child is thinking about. So always ask them, what are you worried about? And hear out from them what their specific worries are. And then begin to address kind of each one in particular. Um, I always say, even to my own child, you know, I'm a, I'm a mother of a special needs child that Knowledge reduces anxiety. So however much information you get from the school in terms of, you know, if there's going to be locker usage or what what is going on with the water fountains or whatever, you know, tidbits of information you have factually from the school, impart that to your child, right? Because like I said, knowledge reduces anxiety. And I don't think it hurts to maybe share a little bit of your worries as well, um, just to kind of validate for them that, yes, this is a really trying and uncertain time. I love the fact that it's. this is such an individual choice
0: for so many different families, and different people have to make choices based on their circumstances in different ways, and it's so refreshing to hear you come to the table with the first thing being the non-judgment and the, great, good for you, you've done what's best for you. I think Mm -hmm. we need to give ourselves that reminder as families go through this incredible again, for the first time scenario where we all don't know what we're walking into, um, reminding ourselves and giving ourselves that pat on the back that we're doing what we think is the right thing for us to do at the time. It's important to remind ourselves so that we can then feel a little bit of grounding, perhaps, Mm -hmm. moving forward with our kiddos. I know that when I'm Centered and grounded, the people around me start to feel more centered and grounded. So, making those decisions that help me feel safe, help me feel empowered, then echoes out to my loved ones and my community around me. So, true. What about um, the wearing of masks? And let's be really clear with our listeners here that we're not talking about the politics of wearing masks, but for physical discomfort or for children who or even adults who can't sustain perhaps wearing their mask for six hours or for an extended period, how do you recommend tackling talking to children about that whole concept and what they should be doing to maximize their um, positive use of that?
1: wearing masks can be difficult for some kids for a number of reasons. Um, So I would firstly start out with buying many different kinds of masks. Let's do a little kind of dry run here and figure out which one works for you. The ones that, you know, tie, the ones that, you know, scoot around the ears, the gator style ones that remind you of a turtleneck, you know, figure out which one feels comfortable with your child on their child's skin um, and then go out and buy a lot of them, right? Because they're going to have every day and they might lose them or they might get a bloody nose or they might sneeze in them. So you want to make sure that you find what works for your child, stock up on them, and then, of course, school days are long. So you want to start building up their stamina for having this face covering on. So if you want to start off with, say, hey, let's play a game. OK, we're going to keep our masks on while we play Go Fish. And great, you did that. Good job. Tomorrow, let's pop in a movie. And now we're going to keep our mask on while we watch a movie together. So you're kind of incrementally working up their stamina to having it on. Then you can try, let's see if we can keep it on from breakfast to lunch and then from lunch to dinner. Um, you know, I know my son's school is doing a really good job of they have mask breaks throughout the day. So, you know, it's not so daunting that they're going to have to keep it out for five and six hours a day. Um, But, you know, find a mask that one works for them and two start to kind of incrementally build up their time wearing the mask. And also just let them know that the reason why they're wearing the mask is because they want, we want to protect ourselves and protect others. You know, we want to keep our germs, you know, to ourselves, that there's a reason behind why we're doing it.
0: I'll also point out to folks that you had this great blog post recently about mask organization in the home and having a mask station. And I totally loved it. It was really, um, I had a version of a mask station where each person in my family had their own Ziploc baggie of clean masks with Mm -hmm. our names labeled on them. And they were in a basket, just like a little wicker basket. And every time we used one, we would pull it out of the Ziploc bag. And then when it was dirty, it would drop into the wicker basket. And then on laundry day in my house, I would scoop up all the masks and I would put them in the laundry together. But sometimes people were not remembering to put their masks back in the basket once they were not, once they were soiled. And I was having a hard time um, putting the masks in the general laundry pile because I just wanted to keep the COVID laundry separate or the the COVID potential contamination laundry separate than the regular laundry. And then I was also concerned about um, losing a mask like you lose a sock. (laughs) So then I saw you had these mesh bags. There was a woman who did a mesh baggy mask station Mm -hmm. and I realized, oh wait, I have these clear acrylic drawers that don't take up a lot of space and they stack upon each other. So what I ended up doing was one clear acrylic drawer that's labeled with the word clean and all of our masks are in that and then there's a Underneath it is the clear acrylic drawer labeled used and we put our masks in there. And then next to that is the mesh baggie that I found. I had an old laundry bag. So now that's my system. And I'm hoping to get Go it ahead. up and running this week.
1: <laughs> I love that too, because you can put them all in the mesh bag and that way they all stay together. They're not going to get lost in the arm of a shirt or yeah. caught up in you know the dryer somewhere. They all stay together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Lovely. And I'll also just throw in a little tip for folks if you are a Doterra person like I, my organization, um, we do oils and natural lifestyle stuff. I have swapped out. Um, I use the doTERRA On Guard laundry detergent specifically for the masks now and any of the clothing that I'm wearing in society that comes in contact with potential COVID contamination hotspots or places or stores or whatever I just I wash everything in that just knowing that it's the essential oil blend so tip for folks who are doing doTERRA okay back to the questions that I have for you what should we do to reassure children or adults who are feeling really isolated during this time? Or, uh, you know, when when we go back into these environments in school systems, there are cohorts and there are um, groupings of students, but maybe they're not completely with the people that they know, or maybe there's a child who is not going back to school. Maybe they are doing remote learning all over again and they're staying home and they're feeling like they're not going to have a connection to their school community. Um, Wrap our heads around that that, with that kind of mindset and framework for how we should talk about that with people.
1: That is really hard. Um, You know, throughout this pandemic, you mentioned at the beginning of um, the top of the podcast, Laura, how we're really experiencing trauma. Um, you know, during this pandemic. And it's, it's true, you know, a lot of us are feeling a lot of loss around things and, you know, our connections and our friendships with people is one of those losses. And you're right, working with the, um, the students right now at my day job, uh, they're really struggling. Um, the way that uh, a lot of school systems have kind of set up their scheduling right now, it's done by the alphabet, right? So A through K goes these two days of the weeks and then L through Z goes these two days of the weeks. And while well, my friends all have, you know, letters at the end of the alphabet and I don't get to see them so I'm doing a lot of work with students around their anxiety if I'm not going to know anybody and I'm going to miss my friends and you know trying to kind of keep a positive mindset that one this is not going to last forever right just remember that and two let's talk about you know the positives of this let's reframe this that yay you actually get to step back into the school building right it may not be with your group of you know solid buddies But this might give you a chance to meet some new people, right? And put yourself out there a little bit more. Two, technology is a wonderful thing, Um, just like we're doing now via Zoom, you know, trying to kind of make sure that you're connecting with your friends, however that may be, whether it's through Snap, whether it's Zooming, whether it's, you know, whatever that may be. Participating in your Google Meetups at school, you know, don't just keep the camera off or keep it aimed at the ceiling, you know, have people see your face, see your friends' faces, um, and just acknowledging that this is hard. And you know, like my high school kids say, this sucks. Um, yeah, it's it's rough, but we you know we will get through this. And the more ways that you can connect with your friends online, you know, I have a lot of students who play video games together. You know, that's one way that they kind of keep the connection with each other. So really, kind of relying more heavily on technology, and parents you know, easing up a little bit on technology usage, right? Because that's a a solid way that our our students connect with each other and just, you know, letting them play another 40 minutes of, you know, video games. So they have that social connection with their friend. It's needed right now.
0: I have to say, I really loved the exclusion of tech tools for myself as an adult with a client-based business. Um, I'm not back in my building yet in Cambridge. It's just been logistically, tricky for me to go back in such an intimate one-on-one setting where I'm close to people's bodies for energy work. And I um, teach classes where lots of people are in the room together. So that just isn't going to work for quite a while. So it's been fascinating to me how this whole online technology boom has prospered and helped people flow. And I definitely can see how that's a benefit to younger people in our society, particularly the kids who I love the idea of the group video games. I should see about contacting some of my son's um, friends, mothers, or families and talking to them. I didn't even think of that. All right, next one, keeping our cool. (laughs) I mean, is this like, there's so, so many people are just so anxious and angry and sad and worried and nervous and upset. And Maybe they're walking around holding all these feelings and they don't realize it. Maybe they're having these feelings and they're just not themselves or they're becoming depressed. I have a lot of clients who have been coming because this is coming up in a big way and they need to shift the energies and they need that spiritual information. And so they come for the sessions and it just has been helping so, so much. But keeping our cool is so challenging. And for the littles, I mean, we're having a hard time as a society of adults. So I am I, curious what your um, recommendations are for the littles.
1: Yes, I think that we have all probably had periods in the last, you know, six, seven months where we have lost our cool, and it is what it is, and that's okay. Um, But when we're talking about little ones, you know, uh, logistically speaking, a parent is going to lose their cool every now and again. But if you are finding yourself losing your cool more and more often, um, just remember, little ones really mirror the reactions and the emotions and the feelings that they see from the adults around them. So if you are finding yourself kind of spilling out all over the place and emoting and uh, negative energy your little one is going to pick up on that so that might be the time where you really lean more on your spouse or your partner to say hey i need to tag out you know you need to pick up bedtime tonight i need some me time Um, you know if it's getting to the point where even the spousal support the partner support isn't helping then maybe it's time to seek out somebody like you laura or me you know seek out some counseling seek out some therapeutic support in that regard Um, I realize that right now it's sometimes hard to get out of our houses to get places or see people, but you heard, you know, Laura just mentioned that a lot of us are offering virtual sessions, virtual support. Um, I just read an article yesterday that talked about um, all these Facebook support groups, parenting in a pandemic, and parenting special needs children in a pandemic, and there are definitely kind of communities out there um, to support parents right now, um, you know, because parenting in this new normal, it's tough yeah yeah and it's nice to be able to try and find community
0: in places that are specific to our specific needs Mm -hmm. we have our friends and we have our families and we've got our loved ones who we can always call and have a an ear to cry to but it's nice to find a community of other like-minded people with a specific niche in these ways to be able to give us that added boost i suppose (laughs) definitely Um, All right. So this is a big one. Talking to children or adults, (laughs) we're all wondering this and our our adult psyche can handle this a little bit better, I think, than children. But the big question of how do we frame talking about how long this is going to last, right? We don't know. There's vaccines in development. Pandemics, usually from history's uh, recordings, usually last 18 to 24 months-ish. And they have pockets of higher rise and lower flow. And it just is something that I think is a psyche unknown and that's really challenging for people to handle. So how do you talk to children about that?
1: Well, you, you kind of answered your own question. <laughs> we don't know how long this is going to last, right? The medical experts, you know, are giving us those kind of parameters. We don't know when the vaccine is going to come out yet we have children who are very concrete and rigid thinkers in some respects, right? You told me that I could watch TV at four o'clock, it's 4.02, mommy, where's the remote? They are very concrete and they like to know answers. And so if you tell them that yes, you're going to be able to, we're going to be able to go on vacation come January, you can't go on vacation because the pandemic is still going on they're going to hold you to that and they're going to be upset at you so it's best at this point to not put any timelines on it because we really don't know and to be very honest in saying that you know the illness kind of has a mind of its own and until the scientists can figure out how to keep us safe and healthy you know we don't know but this is not going to last forever this is not going to be going on for a long time in your lifetime. you know. So we need to kind of temper it with, we don't know how long, but it's not going to be forever. Because like I said, if you give them a concrete date or you know, a month of when this is going to be all said and done and that month passes, uh, there's gonna be some anger and resentment there and a whole can of worms that you're gonna to have to go down with your child.
0: It kind of reminds me also of a video that I saw very very early on in the pandemic that went viral and it was a family member post pandemic talking to a young child about all the good things that came out of this time the creativity the wonderment the closeness with families so being able to share even though we don't know I'm really glad that I get to spend time with you now, even though we don't know when this is going to be over. I like that I get to watch you in karate class in the living room because it helps me really see what you're doing in a clear way versus being at the dojo where I have to be in the waiting room and I can't watch, you know, pointing out those positives to folks (laughs) as we go, taking the the little things as we, as we, one, one little thing at a time, I suppose, as they come. Even
1: suggested to my family is making a time capsule of this period. You know, what would, put in a time capsule and let's you know open this in 5 years or i've suggested to my teenagers you know let's make a list of top 10 things give me the list of top 10, you know, concoctions of food you never thought you'd put together when we couldn't get to the grocery store. Or give me a list of the top 10 TV shows that you started watching that you didn't think that you would be watching. Or give me a list of the top 10, you know, catchphrases like social distancing and face coverings, you know, things that we'd never heard before this time period, you know, just to kind of, it's a way of of marking time and keeping track. And of course, there's always journaling, you know, there's, you can always journal. I love that idea of
0: making a top 10 list, a family remembrance. We do archival boxes from year to year. So maybe we make our family COVID box. <laughs> sure. All the fun things that we've tried with all the new food subscription services that we've had coming into the home and the foods that have come that we've had to learn how to cook and learned about different ways to prepare them has been really interesting for my family. So maybe we go down that road to start. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right, any other tips that you have for us helping folks to sort of frame having as smooth a transition as possible throughout this entire process?
1: We talked before about the uh, face masks, and I also think it's important that you work with your child on the hand washing as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, according to the CDC, we wanna really be practicing our three Ws, right? The wearing the mask, the washing our hands and the watching our distance in the hallway. Um, so if you can kind of really work with your child on you know proper hand washing techniques, um, I mentioned that my son is actually back in the classroom and uh, we had virtual open house night the other night and the teacher went over the hand washing um, technique that they're doing at his school, which I was like, that is genius. So they line all the kids up and she squirts soap into their hands. And they literally have to sit there with the soap for like, you know, they sing a song together and then they can go up and rinse. But while you're waiting in line, you basically can't be touching or getting into anything in the classroom because your hands are filled with soap and you're all singing your song and Finally, when you get to the sink, you can wash it off. Um, So that's one thing. The other thing that they're working on in the classroom, or I should say out in the halls in terms of watching distance um, the few times that they do transition in the school is they hold up their arm um, and if your fingertips can touch the child in front of you you need to kind of back up a little bit so you should hold your arm out straight and make sure you're not touching the other child in front of you so again you know just following the, the health and safety guidelines is really important If you haven't done so already, of course, you know, you just mentioned at the start of the podcast, we are just about creeping into fall, my favorite season, start thinking about um, calling your pediatrician's office or checking out the flu clinics in your area, right, because you don't want to be dealing with COVID on top of influenza. So really make sure that your family has their uh, flu shot dates lined up and, you know, follow through and get your flu shots. The other thing is to keep your employer in the loop about what is going on with your child's school. Um, You know, a lot of schools are opening, some are not, but for the ones that are opening, um, great, We're, we're in it right now and we're doing it really well, but who's to say that the virus could take a turn and we have to go back to stay at home orders again. So making sure that you've got plans in place now to make your work from home routine, you know, much more smoother. I love it. I love,
0: I think that that could be um, a, the the tips for school could be applicable to adults in the world as well. If you, you walk around with your hand out and if you touch someone in front of you, you're too close. Back up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's your space bubble. There you go. Yeah. Good advice for everybody, big and small.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, okay. So remind everybody where they can find you again one last time.
1: My business is Classically Organized, classicallyorganized.com. Connect with me there.
0: Yeah, and thank you so much. This has really been helpful and reassuring. And that uh, I have been sort of navigating this bridge in society for my clients, but also in my own um, family for my son as he transitions back to his school. They start next week. So it's really reassuring to talk with you about it and to be in community and in relationship where we're all thinking and Uh, supporting each other and trying to find best practice and positivity around something that is stressful and unknown. So thank you for being here with us today. Thank you. Have a takeaway from today's episode, visit my blog to leave a comment or take a screenshot and tag divine Lotus podcast on social media. Also, be sure to leave a positive review over on Apple Podcasts to help these episodes reach more divine people who are just like you. It helps to build our community of spiritual beings, and it helps me to know what you're enjoying most from my show. Looking for more inspired action in your life? Visit me at DivineLotusHealing.com for one-on-one work, courses, essential oils, and a number of my memberships that help you live a divinely connected lifestyle. Want to connect with me on social media? You can find me on Instagram, where I hang out most often, under my business handle, Divine Lotus Healing.